Hello and welcome to That Band Life. My name is Jeff Young, Director of Camps for Music for All. And I'm Bobby Lambert, Director of Bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Jeff, we find ourselves back at freaking Midwest. Yeah, you can hear the background noise so everybody knows this is... We're in our lovely mobile studio. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> Basically, we're hiding out behind the BOA booth. Yes. I mean, that's, that's really what it yes. is. Yes, and but we, we found a table, and we found some power. And we hope that nobody comes and tries to shut us down in the middle of this. So so hopefully, we get through a whole show. But we're really excited. We have one of our dear friends, a person very close to my heart, who's I've gotten to work with the last 10 years. Michael Gray is with us. And our show today is all about the crossroads, or really the the culmination of educational versus entertaining shows and where they come together. And we're going to want to explore that as a high school band director. I want to know his thoughts on it, but I, I can't wait to just start going down this road. I think before we do that, Jeff has, do you want to do your promo thing? Well, obviously we want people to order shoes from us and plume, and case, plume, bags. Case, plume so case bags. I think big that's deal. enough. That's enough said. Go, you know? go check out our website. Give, our, give, give us a chance. To win your business. That's there it the, is. The thing. There yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. So well done. Hard well well played, everybody. Okay. So Michael Gray, first of all, for the listeners who don't know, the two of you who just crawled out under a rock, Michael Gray has been the program coordinator at Wando High School for 21 years. Wow. Um, judged every competitive artistic thing possible, WGI, DCI, BOA. Um, in California and Texas, everywhere, Thailand, Japan, Japan. yeah, like the Netherlands. <laughs> if there is a marching, if there is a an artistic discernment that is needed, Michael Gray's your, pers- your your person. But what a lot of people don't know, it's my, that's not Michael's full job. Like, if you go to his house, you will walk to the Michael Gray Studio back in the back and see some of the most gorgeous paintings in your life. And they, I, I am fortunate enough to have one hanging in my oh, home. you do? Yeah. I have a Michael Gray. I do not. I, I, yes. I, woo, yeah, I had to. And there's some of them that I will steal at some point. So when they are missing from your studio, you'll know what happened. But, but that's, that's again, not the only hat that he wears that designs, Costumes and uniforms for Demolin, and, and and has done that now for over ten years. Oh, well over ten years. I think I'm in my maybe thirteenth, fourteenth year yeah. with Demolin Brothers. So and very proud of that work. Yeah, that's great. If if you see a beautiful costume, chances are Michael Gray has had something to do with it, either influencing uh, who designed it or designing it himself. So, Michael, thanks for being with us. I'm very happy to be here and. I can't tell you one of the first absolute yeses when you asked me to do this was the subject matter. Yeah. Because it is maybe the most important, most timely subject topics that we have in our activity today. And I think that we do not have a unified understanding of it as a design community or a judging community. And I think it's time to open that conversation. And so let's consider today ground zero for that Mm. dialogue. Yeah, perfect. Jeff and I I were talking about this. And as a band director, and with Jeff 
going out and consulting a lot of people, we find ourselves trying to navigate the waters of, well, this show is really fun, but I'm not sure at the end of the three months, the kids are going to play, march, or understand life any better. Whereas then there, there's other shows that have a deep, complex meaning to the people involved, but don't really reach an audience. And so we would love to maybe start with, from a design point. Yes. What are some of the things that you consider when you're starting to develop, hey, this, this sounds like an idea that, we, that could go somewhere? You, you know what's really interesting for me, and when I had the opportunity to speak to band directors, um, it's not unusual. I remember an occasion in Iowa uh, with their band directors convention and all of the historic very famous Iowa band directors were in the room. And that's a very precarious place for me <laughs> yeah. to be. And I'm a visual person. And my very first statement to the entire room and the subject was about visual was, if you can't play, uh, leave the room now. If you cannot teach your children to communicate through music, then I can't help you. I have a very dear friend who coined the phrase once, uh, they don't make a flag big enough to cover that bad sign. Yes. And so guys, let's go back to the educational component of this. You are both, well, Bobby, you're a band director. You are a in the business of creating musicians. You are product oriented. So when it comes to your ears and the way your mind is wired, you're going to listen for the quality and the craftsmanship of the way those kids perform. Did I expand their range as musicians? Mm -hmm. Are we in a bigger, better place than we were when we started this project? Is this music that's going to allow us to develop in some of those areas that we are not as proficient or as well-developed as others? Jeff is a visual person. You look at it and go, do we add skill sets to this? Can we physically do things? We're in a, a world now where you not only have your marching staff and your foot techs, you better have a full-time choreographer because your entire band is going to dance and they're going to learn dance technology or terminology. So I guess for me to answer your initial question, I'm an artist. I want to know with marching band, I see it as a total art form. You could put it in a frame. James Joyce, the, the famous author said, if you frame anything, it becomes didactic art. You have now confined it in a space. Well, marching band is confined by nature in a space. So we are creating didactic art. Well, then that means we have to deal with the components that exist within that rectangle. Mm -hmm. What are those components? What does it sound like? And what does it look like? Just from a pure quality perspective, mm -hmm. you've got to check those boxes before you do anything else. Those are pretty fundamental. A C-sharp is a C-sharp. That's, that's not an arguable point. You were in step or you were not in step. You had phasing or you did not have phasing. That's an either or. The gray area, the beautiful mystery 
of the creation of a successful marching band program comes in that area of what does it mean? Mm. How did I use those tools to create something meaningful? I want you to think abstractly with me for a minute. Marching band, even though we make a verbal sound through instruments, and in some cases we use voiceovers or overdubbing or choruses in some cases, but by and large, marching band's only vocal communication is sound generated by performers through instruments. And you have the color guard, you have the drill, you have the environment of the sets. Okay, all of that considered, what is this? This is a form of sign language. Hmm. I'm communicating to an audience without the benefit of a libretto. They have no idea. Mm. How many times have you seen a band show, I'll ask the audience, and you go, my God, I love them. And the next question is, well, what are they doing? And you go, I have no idea. Mm. Right. I, I don't know what that was about. I just loved it. There's okay. an emotional response. What did you love about it? Well, here are the tools of the visual designer. Motion. Absolutely one of the most thrilling tools we have. Speed. Density. Mm. linear development, curvilinear development, mass development, sporadic development. We have all of those wonderful tools that are offered to the graphic designer, to the artist. We have those tools, but we also have the tool that's dearest to my heart, color and texture. Mm. We can make a Broadway stage. Yeah, My dear, dear friend who is a world-famous designer, DCI judge, BOA judge, Michael Turner, is quick to correct us all. We call them props. Props are things you hold in your hands. <laughs> yeah. The uh, things we theater, build yeah. on the feeler sets. Yeah. Yes. Now, if we, if we let go of the word prop and we embrace the word set, we're now doing theater. Mm-hmm. We're not doing marching band. We've now built an environment. What does that environment indicate? I just saw the Magic Flute last week, uh, the Metropolitan uh, Opera in New York, and the sets and costumes were done by Julie Taymor of Lion King fame. Before the scrim ever lifted, you could see through it, and you already knew, I'm in a fantasy world. Even if you don't know the Magic Flute. Mm. Now you have the word magic, that alludes to something other than of this world, of this plane. But she took that and absolutely reinvented the visual components of Mozart's masterpiece. The music was note for note the same with one of the greatest playing ensembles on earth and singers like you wouldn't believe, but in a language that I don't speak. How is that different than a marching band show? Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not. So the job of the people that produce those shows is to communicate to you with a visual and audio language that is developed in tandem. Is what I see what I hear? Is what I hear what I see? And if those two things come fortunately together, then the power of the emotion you are attempting at any given moment is going to be unbelievable. We live in a world where people choose some very, very odd subject matter. (laughs) 
We live in a world where people have incredible winter visual programs through Color Guard, through their indoor drumline, and they're now starting to take advantage of those isolated elements and promoting them as feature ensembles rather than as a blended element within the context of the whole. We don't have the wherewithal to judge that. We don't have the vocabulary mm -hmm. that allows us to speak to that. Now we can modify our vocabulary and we can do a good job of describing what we see. Mm -hmm. However, we have not adapted to those changes right. in this idiom. Musically, it's the very same thing. I can remember one of the first shows I ever judged for BOA, for Grand Nationals. The, the whispers were always, oh, they played Midwest. They played Midwest. They played Midwest. That means they're going to play unbelievably. Well, they did sitting in winger chairs on a stage in Chicago. Mm. Now, are they going to do that at 160 clicks a minute, you know, spread as they the pass apart. in and yeah. out of each other at an 80-yard spread. Mm -hmm. It's a different environment. So here's the thing I think we have to really take into consideration. When I do a painting, I have to always think about how does this part, and I want you to think about a part as being musical or visual or both. How does the part within the design speak to the part? How does the spark part speak to the whole of the design? And then go backwards. When you're looking at it, as Bobby said earlier, I, I think the kids had fun. I think they loved the show, but I don't know what we did. How does the whole speak to each of the parts? You have to work backwards. You want to make what I call you want to make something that survives this test. I call it the grandmother test. You've watched the marching band show. You've convinced Nana to come and see little Susie March right. in her marching band show. And on the way to the car, you go, well, Nana, who did you like? And inevitably, she'll go, um, the one with the clocks. Yeah. I like the one with the racetrack. Yeah. I like the one with the horses on the stick. She is going to relegate her experience to the simplest, most memorable moment mm -hmm. of the entire show. Sure. And that's what it meant to her. Sometimes you just do a show about clocks. Sometimes maybe it, it gets so overly complicated that you lose your audience. Mm. It is not unusual these days in theater, especially drama, if you look at the number of musicals on Broadway versus the number of straight plays, um, and we can't even talk about the Shakespearean plays, the, right. the, the more romantic dramas and comedies. Um, when you look at those things, more people walk out of shows at the intermission than they ever have in the history of mm, theater because yeah. they don't know what they're watching. They don't understand. So what have you got to do as a designer? Here's what you got to do. Everything. At some point in your show, you have to create a moment where I, as an audience member, am not a victim of your process, but I am a participant in your process. You make me feel 
an emotion that reminds me of something in my own personal life that rings a bell, and now I care about you in a way that I didn't before. You've got to create a physical environment that's of interest to me. It's a what-if environment. What's going to happen here? Where am I? Even if it's an obvious Dr. Zeus set. Right. What Dr. Zeus? The man wrote 200 stories. What, what element yeah. of that aesthetic are you going to bring alive? And he wrote stories. He didn't write music. So how do you, how do you pair that with the appropriate music? Right. I think very often in these days, we have an imbalance where the visual people assign an overabundance of credit to things that they understand through their lens and their training and their eye, and they are not considering the whole. They're mm -hmm. considering the isolated. Of it. Yeah. You have music people, and they'll leave the stadium and they'll go, did you hear that? trumpet triple tongue section you know in the second movement well that means a whole lot more to them than it does to me as a painter but i still value it in its ability as dialogue mm -hmm. it communicated to me in a verbal sense mm -hmm. was that the right thing at the right time and did it all work together any good work of art will have a sense of cohesion to it. And we must also keep in mind, we do a disservice to our judges if we don't keep this in mind. In DCI, the general effect judge, which carries the largest amount of visual weight, is challenged with judging music and visual. You must comment on the effect generation and the effect quality and the effect achievement of music and visual simultaneously. That's incredibly difficult and a whole different world. Mm -hmm. It forced me to go take a music class, mm. to audit a music class. So I had a larger vocabulary and a greater, uh, uh, a greater uh, respect for what those musicians were doing. Now let's look at BOA. When you judge visual in BOA, you're judging visual in BOA. You're impacted by the audio environment, but you, you are not challenged to have the same response that you would in the other environment, in the DCI environment. You're purely judging the visual mm -hmm. product. What I find interesting is because of my exposure to art, theater, modern dance, uh, ballet, classical music, contemporary music, theater in all forms, and I have had the joy to live my life in the company of artists, I cannot separate the two. You can have an amazing visual idea without the appropriate musical support, and I don't mean technical quality, I mean choice. You, you, you choose this incredibly poignant visual theme and you play the opening credit to Pee Wee's Playhouse. I'm going to need help with that. <laughs> You're going to have to explain. Right. I'm open to it. Right. And I'm all about the obscurity of the ride. The juxtaposition of this. Yep. But 
cohesion, cohesion, cohesion. How does the part speak to the part? Now, the reason I bring up the, the inequities, and that may be a strong word, uh, in the judging communities, the differential in BOA and DCI, when you have all those points and you are sincerely only judging visual, you can create a different outcome in mm. a contest yeah. where a program may have met or exceeded the criteria of all of its competitors in every other caption. But in that one caption alone, you have the authority as mandated by your sheet and your score weight to create a different outcome. We have to be careful with that, guys. We work very hard to create those cohesive, holistic products so that any one caption should not be the caption that takes you out or puts you in. We've got to look for balance in the green shirts as well as the uniformed performers and as well as the designers. For me as a designer, education versus entertainment. Can I hook my kids? Yeah. Can I make my kids believe this is going to be worth, I, we live in Charleston, this is going to be worth 105 degrees and 100% humidity, and it's going to be worth it in the end. I can't wait till we do this part. I can't wait until we get to that part. you got to find a show that the kids, they trust you already or they wouldn't be there. But you owe it to them to find a product that they can believe in, that they can buy into. I will use Wando as an example. We had a very young program last year, and we had a program that I needed to bring up to speed as fast as possible to speak my language and to understand my uh, eccentricities and obscurities. And I chose to do a show that's really quite simple. Uh, it's the show about the center of your own being when you know you are in the right place at the right time. But I chose to title it the Latin Axis Mundi, the center of the world. And that elevated the entire concept and it also opened the door for a tremendous amount of visual exploration in how we portrayed that center line. We even had a center line on the middle of the field, which at times you weren't allowed to touch. You can't find your center, you're off balance. I can talk to a 13 year old and they know exactly what I'm talking about. I can talk to an 18 year old and go, when did you decide to go to that college? When did the bell ring and you knew there's no doubt I'm going to that university? Then you found your Axis Mundi. You found your life center. Now, there are going to be many other choices to make, mm -hmm. but that was a show that had emotional, aesthetic, and educational value that I could explain to a 13-year-old and an 18-year-old, and they all got it. Mm. I could explain it to the parents, and they were living that every day. Mm -hmm. Am I on my center? 
am I where I should be? As I move Did forward, you start with that and then pick music that, that I started expressed? With that. I started with that. But I must admit, in this case, I started with my dear friend who's helped me survive more life events than I could count, uh, the indomitable Kate Bush. Uh, when I studied art history in London for two years, Kate Bush was the number one British vocalist in, in nobody in America knew her music. And I was introduced to the song uh, And Dream of, of Sheep. And it starts with the term, little light uh, guide him, little light shine. All about that idea of being guided. All about that idea of having something unseen, something out there to follow. And I was on an airplane mm. coming home yep. from judging a show and I go we're starting the show this yes. way yeah now I'll fill in the blanks later yeah. but this is how it starts and then we started finding we have the benefit of geniuses uh, like Jay Boca who are a walking encyclopedia of, of music and all I do is go no no it's got to feel like this the opener has to make me want to be this and think this. And as the music started to develop, my visual mind woke up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, no, a tree, a tree. with his, It's the Buddhist symbol of the, the roots under the ground. The unseen foundation is as big as the seen foundation. The balance is perfect. Let's play with that as a symbol in our show. So as you can see, it's a, an organic mm -hmm. process. But if you choose a subject matter that is too dark, too obscure, too unattainable, too inappropriate right. even yeah. for, the, for the kids that, that we have to teach these days, our children at 15 are living the lives that... that our parents led at 30. Mm. The things they are asked to do, the and things they are asked to comprehend. The, the, look at the list of, I just finished my refresher course um, of um, the awareness, safe sport, oh, uh, uh -huh, awareness that, yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And I finished and I, I, I successfully completed it. But I was overwhelmed for one hour after that with nothing but remorse for what our children are subjected to yeah. in this day and age. And well, we're, at a, we're at a time where you have a, a shooter drill. I remember the first time we had that, and it was chilling. Now, the kid's like, hey, can I bring my Cheetos into the room with me? Is <laughs> it okay? It's status quo. It's there. I was like, guys, we don't know if this is a drill or not. I'm still going to bring my Cheetos, right? I mean, like, they, the, it's such a different environment that they are tasked. I, I grew up watching geniuses like Greg Bim introduce themes to the marching band world. And for the first time you saw it, you might not know what it was, but you knew it was good. By the time you had it explained to you and you understood what it was, you were a different person than you mm. were when you walked into that that performance in 15 minutes the man did what Stephen Hunt Sondheim could do in two hours on Broadway mm. he could absolutely take you through a full range of emotion a full range of aesthetic 
stimulation. It's so exciting, the tools that we have in front of us these days, that I don't want, I don't want a world of Disney shows. I, I think you can say important things through the art form of marching band, but we had to agree that we have now elevated it to a pure and perfect art form. It satisfies every box mm -hmm. for art form. We have dance, we have motion, we have emotion, we have sound, we yeah. have visual, we have exactly. it all. Yeah, you've got the aural, the visual. The, there's, I, I I talk to kids. Like to be honest with you, the dirty secret for me is I don't love marching band. I I've never been part of. I didn't march in college and uh, all those things. But but the thing that I love about it is it brings every facet of the art world to life. The motion, the visual, the the um, musical. Like you were saying with the emotion there, and it and that's how community is formed. Well, my dirty secret is I played football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we what just position? I played football. I, I was center. Yeah. And <laughs> I I was tricked into taking some of my friends' younger siblings because I was old enough that they trusted me as a chaperone to see a drum course show in Williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. And I had my entire life changed. And 38 years later, I'm still doing marching wow. band. What were you, so you were driving. How old, how old were you when that happened? Oh, I was 25, Holy 24, 25. Cow. Yeah, so I couldn't have done this if I wanted to. But what I saw was I, I, I just done my degree in art history. And I was watching a painting on the field. And we didn't have props then. Mm-hmm. You, you had people that played music. We didn't dance. You had one color flag. Mm -hmm. This was today. You wouldn't think of doing this, but then it was status quo. And even then they were able to communicate to me every aspect of a complete and total work of art. I could not debate the legitimacy of that art form that I had just witnessed. And it was so powerful that I obviously have dedicated the vast yeah. majority of my life to I think it. I, I think you bring up a really good point. It's that when, when all three of us started watching drum corps and marching band, it wasn't as in-depth as it is now from a design standpoint. And we still loved it. Yeah. But what we were moved the most by were really, really great playing groups and great moving groups. And that is still the base of the pyramid mm -hmm. that, you know, everything else is kind of icing on top. Right. But, but that that emotional performance from the individual, the music that was chosen and how it was played and how it was marched and how it was performed is still the bedrock of all of this. Right. It's absolutely. Sincerely true. I think you have to use you have to literally say names. You. I'm always excited um, in drum corps to see what any drum corps, I, I can't name one, what any drum corps is going to do because the, the pantheon of people who are developing drum corps shows are all individually talented 
and world-renowned artists. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what you're going to see. But when I think back in history, I don't mind telling you, my heart still hears Rocky Point Holiday and the cadets. Yeah. I still hear Appalachian Spring, and I can't get through it without a tissue. But that's Copeland's credit. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. I can remember being at Illinois State University at the Summer Symposium, and the the uh, Cavaliers were coming and were doing some good things. I think they had already won in 95, but I heard they were doing a 007 show, a James Bond show. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be the worst thing on the planet. They're going to have plastic guns out there running around in tuxedos because the guard that year came out in something pseudo tuxedo like. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, here's the dumbest show that we're ever going to see. And I couldn't have been further you from the were truth. Really wrong. It was, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I could freely admit that now because they, yeah. I can remember the way that well the dr Michael Gaines drill in that was just brilliant. The performance excellence made that work as well. But it, it I thought that it was this great way that they infused the educational side of that. Like these kids can perform, they can do, they can, and we're going to show that off. But the entertainment side of that was not just your simple, oh, that's funny, or oh, that's that's impressive. Everybody threw the rifles up and everybody caught. Yay. That's that's exciting to see. But but when the Cavaliers came with that, I was like, this is making me think. And I think that for me is is the place where you find the right balance. You know, the other thing you have to think about is what tools did the artists have to work with? I've all boys. Yeah, right. What? What? Now it makes a whole lot more sense, doesn't yep. it? I have all guys. I'm going to do a James Bond show. Well, no, duh. Yeah. <laughs> you, I'm an artist. If I sit at my palette and I have yellow and I have red, I can mix orange, but I've got three colors, kids, and i got to figure it out mm -hmm. from these three colors. So you have to work with the tools you have. It's no different than going to your cupboard and deciding what you're going to cook for dinner. You also have to learn to take the temperature of your band. Look at your middle schools. What is the temperament of those children coming up? We've all taught cerebral bands. We've all taught athletic bands. That, and I don't mean that as in they play for football games or basketball games. No. I mean, these kids are more, more coordinated, visceral. more they physical. They want to run around. Yeah. They want to roll on the ground. Then you have some, they want to stand still for eight and a half minutes and play their oboe. You've got to know what are your tools. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Cavaliers were successful with that. They knew what their tools were. You go back even again. Well, you, you go when you have a combination such as the staff at the Blue Devils, you have, you're playing at the highest level in every caption, but you can take something as seemingly one-dimensional. I have this, this image, this did not happen, but I have this image that Scott Chandler could walk into the design meeting and have a slip of paper and lay it on the table, and all it says is Fellini. Mm -hmm. And then you develop one of the most monumental shows of the last decade mm -hmm. from one man's name. You have to be creative in doing that. The other thing is this. I am not against message shows. 
I would ask you to ask yourself first, is this the environment? <laughs> are the kids mm-hmm. are the kids getting enough messages already? And are you being redundant? One of the first years I judged for WGI, um, I judged a show and it was a character show. So it wasn't a, the character was an ogre in this show, but the ogre was hung and they physically hung the male character on the stage. And I, as a human, was appalled. Mm-hmm. Now I had to swallow that and assess it based on the criteria of the sheet in front of me and not penalize the kids. But as a human, I had an issue with the design choice. Mm-hmm. In this, in that, in that desire to be entertaining or evocative, maybe that's the evocative better word. Evocative is a better word. That's the better choice. word. They, I think sometimes we, we, um, take the the idea that anything's possible, anything's fair game, and the further we push it, the better it is. It's what works on TVs or movies, but we're an educational service first. And I think that I, so I hear what you're saying about the we message. Are an educational service first. Look at your demographic. Mm-hmm. They're 13 to 18 years old. Should they be handling this material? Mm-hmm. If you're doing that, then I would. I would challenge you that you're designing out of ego and not out of respect for your clientele. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you you and I have talked about this before. Michael's paintings are gorgeous. But when you're commissioned to do something, yes. your vision kind of has to take – well, you have to find I the blend, right? What the, what the client asked me to paint. Yeah. I want a clown standing in the marsh with an I albatross. Have, I do have standards. <laughs> I do have standards. I'm, I'm curious, though. You talk about the the supplies that you have on hand Absolutely. when you're, when you're going to paint. In our activity, you're essentially telling someone else how to paint the painting in a lot of regards. How oh, challenging yeah. is that where you're not holding the brush and it's, you're not mixing the color yourself? I'm very lucky, Jeff. I am very lucky. Before I got into this, I was obviously an artist and a painter and I was judging and being asked to judge art shows. where And these are normally juried shows where you have multiple people look at 400 paintings. They narrow it down to 50 that get into the show, and then they choose third, second, first, honorable mention. So I had training as a judge of art long before I had training as a judge in the pageantry arts. So not superimposing my sensibilities and my aesthetic taste on other people's art was something I already knew how to do when I came to this. I will tell you, however, it is something that we need to address with the judges that we have in the activity today. We have some brilliant minds who are holding tape recorders. We have some people who can change your program in one reading, and I've seen it done. But we also are not doing a thorough enough job of opening those people up to assess things that go beyond their wealth of knowledge, that go beyond their comfort zone, that go beyond their 
likes and dislikes of certain designers, choreographers, composers. Those things become important to us. But I, I think the most important bullet point of this conversation is when it is the middle of November and I'm not going to band practice and I can stomach to watch the, the video of our last performance, can I look at myself in the mirror and go, my kids are better people mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically than they were before we did this show. I'm not asking you if you won. I'm not asking you if you placed. I'm not asking you if you made finals. I'm asking you those other questions. Are my children better for having been the victim of my creative process? That's a tall order. It is. That's a, it's a but lot. I think, I think it's imperative. I, I think it is the only thing that matters. I, I did a, this reminds me, I did a clinic one time called Be the Adult, and it talked about all the little decisions that need to be made before anybody shows up in your band room for the first day of marching band. And all those things about being the adult sets you up to be able to say at the end of the season, yes, I did everything in my power to make sure that this was educationally sound, entertaining, um, you know, appropriate for the age group, fun, challenging, and we learned something, um, all of that stuff. There's a, quite a bit of work that needs to go in from the designers and adults well ahead of the students ever getting to see what it is. I would say by the time you get your marching band show in its little Ikea folder in your computer, mm -hmm. you get your charts, it's over. Yeah. I mean, they're, At all that you point, have to do yeah. is put the right bolt in the right hole and, <laughs> and, and connect this to that because the planning is where these errors occur. The other thing would be your, the one thing we do have at Wando that makes it the center of, of my active world is our inerring ability to adapt. We will try something without hesitation if we think it can improve the product. Mm -hmm. We are not scared to be wrong in our initial thought process and go, wait a minute, this is better. Yeah. And I, it happened this year, the introduction <laughs> to our ballad. I'd lived with it as long as I could. <laughs> it was wrong. I wanted a divorce. And I walked into Bobby's office and I said, you do whatever you want to, but we're not playing that. We served him with papers. Huh? <laughs> we're not playing that. He, he gave me the options. And we came up with a better solution. Absolutely. And it was phenomenal. It completely cleansed the emotional palette, the audio palette. And, it, and the audience leaned forward. Watch the audience sometimes, people. Don't watch the show. See what your work is causing the audience to do physically. How are they reacting? Are you pulling them in? Are they weeping? Are they excited? Are they standing up? And I don't mean the people shaking your pom-poms. I mean <laughs> yeah. the, the, the people who don't like From the you. other schools, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It, we have an opportunity in this art form to establish a precedent within each and every student that will only accept a challenge that improves them, a challenge that makes them better, a challenge that 
opens doors for them. Um, there, those that wonderful old saying of the opening of doors that you didn't even know were there. And those only happen in the moment of blackest blackness, of darkest darkness. They only happen in the moment of greatest doubt that you find the door that's been there the whole time. It's Alice in Wonderland by God. It's, it's that whole idea of the answer. We overcomplicate the question. Ergo, the answer is overcomplicated. Let it happen. You plant a tomato plant in April and you water it. Now, can you look at it and tell me how many tomatoes you're going to pick off that by the time this summer's over? There's no way you can do that. There's no way. The best you can do, buy the best plant you can buy, take care of it the best way you know how, and hope you get as many tomatoes as you can get. Now, how has teaching marching been any different than that? If I could just speak to our listeners for a moment, this is not a nuts and bolts podcast about what to do. No. Exactly. But if I were you, I would pull out this podcast every January, cleanse your palate, listen to what Michael is saying, and then go about designing your show and working with your designers. Because what we're talking about right here is the mindset you must be in to even start thinking about next year. Well, I would even say, then go back and do the other thing that he'd said about like, look yourself in the mirror. We're in, we're, we're done with the show. It's, it's, we will never do it again. What did we do? How are the kids different? How is our program different? And if you can just say, well, they liked it. The kids liked it. You know, I like gummy bears and I can eat gummy bears all day. Yeah, there's got to be more to it. You know what, guys, if they want nuts and bolts, they'll give you nuts and bolts. You're half of you already have next year's show. You're at Midwest. You're meeting with your drill designers. You're writing checks with lots of zeros behind them. Um, I see you. Um, then maybe this is something for 2025. But here's some things I want you to do. Before you even start to think about marching band, please do not come off of a drum corps tour and be inspired by a drum corps. Mm. How, about, how about let's be the people who originate, not replicate. Let's start there. Here's, here's an exercise for you. This winter, when you're not doing marching band, and your show's already locked in for next year, I want you to go find your favorite movie of all times. I don't care where it's from. I don't care if it's from childhood. I don't care what it is. And I want you to sit in a room by yourself, and I want you to watch that movie from beginning to end. And when you're finished, I want you to write down five things, words, not sentences, five things that that movie did to you. Then, on a different day, I want you to go to your favorite restaurant I want you to order your favorite thing. I want you to be by yourself. I want you to eat it, drink it, write down five things you experienced from having that experience. I want you to listen to your favorite piece of music. I don't care what it is. It could be opera. It could be rap. It could be reggae. I do not care. Listen to that piece of music by yourself and write down five things that it made you feel. Go online. You don't even have to have Jansen's book of the history of art. Look at your favorite painting and just stare at it and write down five things that it made you feel. Find a dance company. 
write down five things. Find a play, write down five things. Then I want you to take all of those five things, put them all together, and you will know what your triggers are. You will know what your personal buttons are. Wow. You will know, and you're going to be amazed at how watching Alvin Ailey's Wade in the Water had, in, you're going to be amazed at how much it had in common with a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese and a double <laughs> fry at McDonald's. How you felt at the end of both. And you're going to go, oh my God, this man's onto something. These are human reactions. These are human emotions. Well, you don't know this, but the people in the audience are human. The people <laughs> yeah. with the tape recorders are human. And they're now at McDonald's. They're now watching Alvin Ailey. They're now at a movie. But you want to be their favorite movie. You want to be their favorite meal. What are your five things? Not, not that motivated you to go to McDonald's, but what five one-word experiences did you have in that 30 minutes? And if I could add one little thing to that, I think I would, I would also think, what if my students were doing this too? They need to do it. Yeah. What, what are, would there be differences and similarities? And, and there will be both. Like just, and, and so you want to try and encompass as many of those things as you can. But I, I love what you're saying about how it, you have to have a personal investment. You in this don't too. know you. Yeah. How can you possibly give away what you don't possess? If you and there it is. do not own your own thought and thought process, then how can you possibly stand in front of 200 children and victimize them for four months? Mm -hmm. I, I had a wonderful experience uh, with our dear friend, uh, Jeremy Earnhardt. We were at a basketball tournament in Charleston recently. And we're, it's a mixed tournament. You only do two quarters. And so you can't sit with your fan group. You're surrounded by enemies and friends. And um, one lady beside me had had several cups of encouragement. <laughs> and so she was really endowed. Nine her, dollar glasses of life, encouragement. Her yeah. life was, uh, you know, completely... Her life was completely invested in this, this basketball game. And I go, you know, you just love this, don't you? And she said, yeah, oh my God, yes. And I said, well, what do you want? What do you want to happen? And she said, I want to win. I said, you know what? Then you need to score more baskets. <laughs> How did she take that? She didn't like me after that. But I think I gave her the most practical advice to anybody. Basketball's simple. Put the ball in the basket more than the people you're playing against and you win. Well, that's not what we're at. That's, that's not the, what we're, the game we're playing. That's not where we live. But you got to know yourself. You got to know your children. You have to know the political, emotional, and artistic environment that we are living in. And you have to design a product that speaks to that moment. And do not be afraid to take a leap of faith. Mm. I think that this speaks to some folks that, that will say, uh, just just send me the send me the box, send me the box with the the sketches and the things, and you, you just pick out one and send me whatever your leftovers are. Uh, it it in a practical way that can happen. However, what you have done is spent money on something that will bring no joy 
Your entire no statement. I stopped listening when you said the most important word in the statement. What does the term leftover mean? Yeah. It is what nobody else wanted. Is that good enough for you kids? Right. And same thing. You know, we, we can get ideas from other people. I'm not discouraging that. But I, I also am saying we can't just take it. Hey, I saw Band A do this last year, and I thought it was wonderful. We want to, I want to do this with my kids. Well, you have 300. They have 300 kids. You have 30. It's not going to do the same thing. I have yellow. I have red. I can make orange. <laughs> I have three colors. Yes. Figure it out. They had green, violet, blue. They had the whole Yeah, the I'm whole not palette. painting a portrait or trees, and if I do, it'll look like Picasso. Right. <laughs> you know, Bobby's seen my list of... I have a running list of no less than 50 show ideas. Sure. I would at expect any, that from At you. any yeah. given... I mean, I have it religiously. And there's one that haunts me every year. And I know that I will die and never do it because it, it's not right for marching band. It is one of my favorite poems. It's one of the most obscure things in the world. Uh, it's a poem by, by uh, Percy Bysshe Shelley called Ozymandias. And it's about an eroding Egyptian sculpture in the desert. And the fact that when it was built, this man was the king of everything and the most important human being on earth and time and dust and weathering. And now I can't even read the name on the base of your statue. Well, then it's not about Ozymandias. It's about not holding on. It's about living the life you have in the moment that you are living it. Now, I can do a marching band show about that, and I still feel the same way I would if I had done Ozymandias, and nobody knew what it was about. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll call it joy. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, and we'll make the kids, let's do things that make mm -hmm. us happy. Yep. We'll start the show on scooters and then we'll go to tricycles and we'll end up with training wheels and we'll all ride bikes Unicy by the unicycles end. i think it's Unicycle. all done oh, no, you're, oh you're even oh i see your we'll skins a, knees and, we'll, and everything we'll have a pony yes. it'll, it'll all work and we'll travel with a nurse it'll, it'll be a good thing but kids remember remember every staff member under you every parent that supports you and every child that looks at you longingly for approval is a victim of every decision you make or a beneficiary of every decision you make. Choose wisely. Wise, wise and words. That's, that's the way that this needs to end. Michael, thank you. And, and, and if you want to hear more from Michael, we do have a video on dynamic marching that is all about oh. GE and it's also unscripted and uniquely and perfectly Michael Gray. Yes. Please check it out on, on Dynamic Marching along with the other videos and things that we have there. Love you so much. Yeah. Hey guys, I love, love spending you time I with you. I think you're providing a service that is of immense value. I encourage you to tell your friends about this podcast. Guys, if we don't teach each other and we don't elevate this activity, to the point of it becoming a national necessity and not a national luxury, we'll lose it. So let's all fight the mm. good fight for a good cause. Yes, and until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And this is That Band Life. Thank you so much for being with us. <laughs>